This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Previously on Winglings, Will, his friend Tim, and the Wingling family made it through the Deserts of Dread to the Cacti Clan, where they met Donnie the Cactus Fairy. Donnie agreed to restore Will's parents' memory in exchange for Will's old blowpipe and the last of his paralyzing Lika darts. He then led them out into the desert, where they would have to fly into a sand devil in order to reverse the curse placed upon Will's parents. Reluctantly, they did as they were told. 
When Will's parents emerged from the magical whirlwind, their memory was restored. But Timothy Toad was nowhere to be found. And now for episode 10, Pixie Fire. It was Tim, Da repeated, the veins in his neck bulging with every word. I stared into his furious wide eyes, dumbstruck. What did he mean it was Tim? Perhaps the dark magic that had clouded his memory was still wearing off. Maybe his nonsensical shouting was merely a side effect. Before I could prod for more details, Donnie jumped in. I hate to interrupt whatever juicy conversation you're about to start, but we really gotta go, he said, pointing to the setting sun. Losing your friend is about to become the least of your worries in a few minutes. Trust me when I tell you you do not want to meet what lives under this sand. If you want to come back with me, we leave now. Without wasting another second, we followed Donnie's quick march up and over the dunes. As the sun sagged over the shadowed mountains, bumps formed and then disappeared in the sand around us. Every shift in the sand brought a low clicking groan. This would be the perfect time to give me that blowpipe you owe me, Donnie said as we ran. I pulled my old pipe out of my pack and handed it to him along with my last leaker dart. I hoped he knew how to use it, because if it came down to us fighting whatever these night creatures were, we'd need that dart to hit its target. A scaly back slid in and out of the sand in front of me. Almost tripping over it, I jumped high and barely landed on the other side. Em's voice bounced from my backpack as I ran. Ma and Da held hands as they swerved between the surfacing reptilian flesh. The creatures were waiting anxiously for the exact moment the sun slipped behind the mountains. My heart thudded in my chest as we picked up the pace. How big are these things? And how many are there? Leaving nothing to chance, I ignored the Royal Council's warning to stay on the ground and flew for the adobe wall ahead. Ma and Da seemed to agree with my thinking. Their wings came alive and lifted them over the shifting sand. Donnie's wings too fluttered behind him, but they struggled to carry his chubby, thorned body. I could tell they hadn't been exercised in quite some time. As I buzzed by him, I caught him in my arm and pulled him the rest of the way. Right as we reached the adobe wall of the city, the sun vanished, darkness fell over us, and the shrill cries of the night creatures broke free of the sand. Their dreadful shrieks burst through the surface like swimmers finally coming up for a gasp of air. Luckily, we were just out of the sand's reach, and the dark hid their hideousness in a blanket of slithering, jumping shadows. I set Donnie down next to me. I think you just saved my life, he said, still in shock. Don't mention it, I said, resting against the wall. I looked out at the countless hungry shadows. Tim, I said, shaking my head. What if he's still out there? Da huffed. I can only hope. I shot him a surprised look. What's gotten into you? Da's jaw clenched behind his thin face. We'll talk about it when we're in the clear. Whatever it is you're going to tell me, I hope it justifies leaving my best friend behind, I said. For now, it looks like we'll be staying the night. We can continue to the mountains in the morning. Do you have extra room for us? 
Ma asked Donnie. Donnie squirmed uncomfortably. It was probably the first time in the crotchety cactus fairy's life he'd been asked to be a host. Well, yeah, I guess I can push a few trash heaps aside to make room. Unfortunately, I do owe you for saving my life, and there's nothing I hate more than owing people favors. You don't snore, do you? Good. You can sleep at my place, but the bathroom is off-limits. You gotta go, you go outside. I rolled my eyes and followed as Donnie led us to the city gate. When we reached it, Donnie quickly jumped behind the wall and pulled me out of sight. Ma and Dad jumped next to me. Have you gone loony? I said. Let go of my shirt. Shh! Donnie hushed. His eyes peeked around the corner and stared wildly into the city before hiding back behind the wall. Sorry, kids. The sleepover's gonna have to wait. What's wrong? Dad asked. It looks like your friends weren't too far behind. You must leave quite the stink on your trail. Me, Ma, and Dad peeked around the corner through the gate. A zing of terror shot through me. Dark minions were patrolling the streets. Bat-winged lunas fluttered between cactus nests and houses. Hardles and dark fairies emptied shops and buildings. Confused cactus fairies were rounded up in the plaza during the search. Tim, Dab muttered through his teeth. Maybe we can fly around them, Ma suggested, hushing Em's coos the best she could. Donnie shook his head. Uh, dark minions always patrol the perimeter, and we'll be spotted by dark fairy scouts if we try to fly over. Skunk guts. You guys must really be in a deep. A whole dark legion on your tail. It's like a fairy royalty or something. My parents and I exchanged a look. You're kidding me, Donnie said. What have you gotten me into? Is there another way out? I pleaded. Some way to the other side of the city, a shortcut to the forest before the foothills. Donnie groaned and scratched the thorns on his chubby cheek. I guess we could use the mole tunnels. Do you have mole tunnels? I beamed. All the way out here? Dad added. Sure, but they aren't well kept. The moles out here are especially lazy and disgusting. The tunnels stink the high pixie, and that's coming from a guy who lives in a can of beans. I shrugged. The tunnels it is. We know how complex they can be. Will you take us through? As long as you knight me before getting me killed, Donnie said sarcastically. Staying low and out of sight, he led us to an opening between two boulders. One by one, we climbed down into the dark tunnels. It took my eyes a minute to adjust to the darkness. Up ahead, glowing mushrooms growing out of the walls gave off a faint green light bright enough to show us the way. Donnie walked in front, stopping to think at every split in the tunnels. After a few seconds, he would remember the course and choose a route. He wasn't kidding about the stink. It smelled like we'd walked down the throat of a long-dead beast. Twice we came upon a mole, but both times the mole was asleep on its back, drooling and scratching its big belly while passing gas. <laughs> to avoid waking them and causing a scene, we carefully crept by them and continued on. At last we came to a dead end. A wall of grey fur blocked our exit. Donnie looked at the hairy blockade, confused. This is the spot. I'm sure of it. What is that? 
Moss said, looking the wall over. It occasionally expanded and contracted. Sorry, came a low, muffled voice beyond it. We all looked at each other. Is someone there? I asked. Oh, Garbers, I beg your pardon. Not getting the best side of me, are you? Where are you? I asked. You're looking at me, said the voice. I tried to chase a worm out and got myself stuck. It was then that we realized that the furry wall in front of us was not a furry wall at all, but rather the giant backside of a huge mole squished into our exit and blocking the way out. Say, while you're back there, the mole continued, I got this awful itch. Hold still, we're pushing you out, I interrupted. I stepped back and closed my eyes. Breathing slowly, I felt for what little pixie I could find in the tunnels. I searched my senses. Ah, the glowing mushrooms. The glowing green light dimmed as I called their magic to me. My arms prickled as the tiny particles of pixie entered my pores. Warmth and power filled me. I opened my eyes and held out my hand. Gafora! I shouted. A gust of wind blew through the tunnel and blasted the mole out of the opening like a popped cork. <laughs> Laughing from the thrill, he flew into the trees and out of our way. Mon Das stared at me in awe. How did you... Das started to say. I held up my hand. When we're in the clear, I said. We crawled up out of the tunnel and found ourselves in the forest, well away from the city walls. Donnie paused at the exit. Well, this is my stop. I hope you weren't kidding about that leak-a-dot, kid, because I'm probably going to have to use it to get back into my house. I'm sorry for the trouble we've caused, I said. Donnie waved a hand at me. Eh, it was nothing. It's not like I'm about to die a terrible death at the hands of dark minions for a few strangers, he said sarcastically. Take care of yourself, your majesty. He gave a little bow. Likewise, I said with a smile. I almost corrected him, but thought it best not to highlight the true royalty among us. After parting ways with Donnie, we found ourselves one of the tallest trees in the forest and cautiously flew up into its highest branches. There we pitched our invisible teepee and made our plans for the following morning. When Ma and Dad looked at me for an explanation, I began telling them how I came across Magborn and about our training aboard the Jolly Leafer. I showed them my quail quill and described how I was taught to conjure pixie magic. Then I told them of the living map and the directions from the Tulip Queen to the Temples of Light. I explained how the forest should lead us to the foothills of the Hagaroth Mountains, and if my estimations were correct, we'd hopefully reach them within a few days. Reliving it in painful detail, I told them how Magborn had betrayed me, leaving me stranded in Crow. That's how I found the two of you, I said, looking up at my parents. Ma and Dad looked at me for a long moment, trying to take it all in. Da considered M and stroked her sleeping face. Has her magic helped you in your journey? I nodded. More than you know. Her power is overwhelming for such a wee little thing. When the occasion calls for it, she shares it with me. Much of it. Sometimes more than I can handle. But it's her love that fuels me. I can feel its radiating warmth when I carry her. 
I've no doubt it's the only reason I've made it this far. Ma smiled. I'm sure you had something to do with that as well. You've been so brave. Daz squeezed my arm. We're proud of you, Will. Whether we make it to the temples or not, you filled many with hope. A hope that the light will someday outshine the darkness. I looked down at a little pixie fire that flickered just above the branch, magically leaving the bark uncharred. I wasn't sure if I'd done much of anything that was praiseworthy. As a matter of fact, I felt like I'd barely made any progress at all. The whole point of our journey was to protect my sister and her royal life-giving light from the dark, only we'd found ourselves nearly in their clutches at every turn. And then, of course, there was... Tim, I mumbled. What happened with him? Dare had the look of someone who was trying to think of the best way to deliver the worst kind of news. Tim, he said solemnly, is a servant of the dark. Impossible, I said immediately. It's true, Will. After the Lunas carried us off, Tim followed close behind. When he finally caught up, we were relieved to see that he'd come to our rescue. But instead of setting us free... He paid the pack of Lunas and instructed them to take us to Crow, where we'd be held for the Dark One until he could arrive. The Dark One? I whispered. The Dark One, Da affirmed. The Dark isn't just a joint effort by all the Dark Minion tribes to overthrow the Fairy Clans, as we once thought. A single Dark Being guides and instructs their efforts a shadow lurking in the far corners of the kingdom, gaining control with every passing moment. It wasn't clear when Tim turned to its service, but in its service he was. Tim oversaw a Luna escort to Crow where it took the dark magic of fifty Lunas to wipe our memory. I still can't remember how they did it exactly, only the words Tim hissed before all went black. We were to be checked of any trace of royal blood, and then used to lure you and M into a trap. They were quite disappointed to find that Ma's bundle of blankets didn't carry the future queen as they'd hoped. From that moment on, they doubled their efforts to find you two. You must have come across us before they could enact their plans of a trap. I'm sure you took them all by surprise showing up on their doorstep. No doubt, I said under my breath. My stomach was a bag of worms. The thought of my best friend Tim keeping my parents prisoner filled me with an unspeakable anger. Magborn's betrayal was nothing in comparison. I'd grown up with Tim since we were fairylings. We did everything together. Fished Emerald Creek, shared each other's duties, helped each other in school, confessed our greatest fears. We were one, Tim and I. Imagining him throwing our friendship away for a life of servitude to the dark made me almost physically ill. All of our memories together were cast in a new light. I questioned everything we'd done together. When did he leave the light? I wondered. Why would he do such a thing? No wonder he snuck off before we came out of the Sand Devil. It all made painfully perfect sense to me now. His odd behavior on Crow and after I defeated the Bungaboo... Why the Dark was still on our trail despite being rid of the Inkeel poison? He knew I'd find out eventually. He just wasn't going to stick around for when I did. Shh, listen, Da said, holding up a finger. The sounds of quiet marching footsteps sounded below us. 
My heart stopped. Together we looked down to see the dark minions carrying blue torches stepping silently through the forest in search of us. Dark fairies fluttered quietly right by our invisible teepee, oblivious that they were only inches from finding their prize. We watched their close flyby through the see-through canvas, Ma hovering over M to make sure she didn't wake. At the rear of the search party, a tall, odd-shaped figure walked directly below us. It was Tim. His big, dark, toad eyes scanned the trees around him. "'Hold!' Tim shouted to the minions. The creatures stopped and looked back at him, the blue torches illuminating their determined faces. "'They're here!' <laughs> I looked at my parents in horror. "'Smoke em out!' Tim shouted. The minions let out a bellowing cheer as they each found the nearest trunk or branch and held their blue fire to it. Immediately the ghostly flames shot up the trees. Leaves exploded into sparks as blue fire engulfed the canopies. The fierce heat singed my face through the thick teepee canvas. Several of the trees closest to us were already pillars of blue fire. What do we do? Ma panicked. I quickly pulled out my quail quill and journal. Then, closing my eyes, I imagined myself controlling the fire. The image was quick and simple, no time for unnecessary details. Once I had it, I opened my eyes and wrote the word. Then again I closed my eyes and called the pixie to me. Much of it had already been summoned and forged into dark magic by the minions. I stole what I could from them and absorbed its raw power. The flames around us crept closer. Two lunas lit the base of our tree. Blazing up the trunk, the flames climbed after us. He's doing it, Daz said, stepping back. I put my hand on Daz's shoulder. Tear the teepee away in three, two. Daz scrambled for the string that collapsed the tent. The fire had reached the branches just below us. I opened my eyes. One. Daz pulled the string, collapsing the tent around us. Ignite us, I shouted. The dark minions looked up to see the flames around us bending away and cascading down over them in wide, fiery funnels. The minions squealed in terror, running for cover as I guided the blue pillars of fire over them. Fly! I told my parents. Damn Ma scooped them up and sprang off the branch. Still guiding the fire with every flake of pixie in me, I flew away from the trees with them. One figure below jumped and leaped out of the way of the fire, chasing after us. Eventually, the pillars of fire dissolved in the breeze as my power ran out. My hot hands smoked from the effort. I turned and focused my remaining strength into my wings. Hot air from the flames gave us lift, helping us soar over the forest fire until we reached the edge of the trees. When we landed, Dad jumped up and down, holding his hair as if it was about to run off with his head. I can't believe my eyes! You did it! You really did it! Did you see that, Alita? He was like... <laughs> Shh, Dad, calm down, I told him. I'm not sure we're in the clear yet. Right, right, right. Oh, wow, I mean, wow. What, what did it feel like? Hot. No, I mean the magic. How did it feel to wield the power? The sound of crunching twigs made us hunch low into the grass. What was that? Ma whispered. I glanced over the top of the grass and saw a figure emerging from the trees. 
It was just a shadow at first, an ominous figure against the backdrop of a burning blue forest. Then it lit a torch and held up the light. It was Tim, persistent as ever. His big eyes stared out at our hiding place. I remembered what I'd learned about toad eyes, about how well they could see in the dark. His gaze was locked onto us. It stayed on us as he took his first steps toward us. My mind raced. His wide-webbed feet flattened the grass with every stride. I looked down at my Zaxlin Gabriel. It was all I could think to do. I had no choice but to strike Timothy down. Tim was only a few steps away, his pace growing more sure as we came into view. In an instant, I reached for Gabriel as Tim opened his mouth to sound the alarm. Something whistled over the grass and stuck Tim in the arm. He stopped and teetered for a moment, and then with his eyes rolling back, he collapsed into the grass, fast asleep. I stared at the leaker dart poking out of his arm in surprise. Then I saw someone else step out of the trees. A slow, prickly shadow. Donnie lowered my old blowpipe from his mouth. Oh, not bad for my first shot ever, he said. I couldn't believe our luck. Donnie threw up his hands. What are you staring at? Go, you meatheads! Head straight over the hills into the next patch of forest. You'll find help there. We got to our feet. Wait, what's in the other forest? I asked. A smile crossed Donnie's face as his wings lifted him off the ground. Say hello to the dandelions for me. He turned and flew back into the trees. The three of us slowly looked at each other. Rocketeers. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Winglings Under the Willow Tree. I wanted this one's climax to be all about fire. I love fire, but it's kind of a mysterious thing, huh? So what is fire exactly? Fire is a chemical reaction that releases light and heat. Any fuel heated up to very high temperatures when combined with oxygen in the air produces a flame known as fire. Now, fire obviously can be really good. We cook with it. We heat our homes with it. We have campfires and roast marshmallows. It helps propel rockets into space. Fire is amazing. Whenever I think about fires, I always think about a fire pit. There's just something about sitting around a warm fire pit with those crackling flames and the smell of burning wood and that warmth that you get during this time of year when it's chilly. There's just something amazing about it. That is until one of your kids decides to run up and try to turn their hand into a kebab. But other than that, it's pretty amazing. 
It also makes me think of those crazy fire alarms that they have in elementary schools. I know it's good to warn us and everything, but do they have to make us bleed from the ears with that crazy alien shriek? I feel like I was more terrified of the noise of those alarms than I would have been of the actual fire had it been blowing through the classroom. So, kids, it's good to have fire alarms, and it's good that they're noisy so that we don't miss them. Now, fire requires three things. This is known as the fire triangle. The first thing is oxygen. Just like people, fire needs air or oxygen to breathe. Without oxygen, a fire will stop burning. The next thing it needs is heat. Without sufficient heat, a fire can't start, nor can it continue to burn. So examples of heat sources would be like an oven, a stovetop, a heater, a lit match, or a lighter. And the third thing a fire requires is fuel. Fuel is what feeds a fire. Without fuel, a fire will die out. Examples of fuel would be wood, paper, gas, coal, these things that burn. So again, the fire triangle is oxygen, heat, and fuel. Those are the things that a fire needs. Now, I think it's also important that we note that we need to be careful with fire. Fire can also be kind of dangerous. So a few fire safety tips would be to make a family fire escape plan. Tell your parents that you want to sit down as a family and talk about what you should do in the event that a fire breaks out in your home. Where are your exits? What do you guys do? Make sure you guys are testing your smoke detectors once a month and changing the batteries a couple times a year. It's important. Fire can be dangerous. It's not, it's not something to necessarily be afraid of, but we have to be careful. Fire is not a toy. We don't ever play with fire. If you find matches or a lighter laying around, don't pick them up. Tell a parent or an adult to help you. I also wanted to do a couple more shout-outs to some of our faithful listeners, Aaliyah Gogarty, one of my first listeners. Aaliyah, you're awesome. Thanks for listening. And the Pachecos, Nehemiah, Osias, Avia, and Esme, thank you guys so much for listening and for your awesome feedback. If you would like a shout-out for your kid on the podcast, email me their names at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.